Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. And also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Let's go ahead now and get into this week's episode of Casey Crime Photographer. The original air date is November the 10th, 1949, and the story title is Thunderbolt. Good evening. This is Ken Roberts inviting you to listen to another adventure of Casey. Crime Photographer. Ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight... Thunderbolt. Night. A night of storm. A public garage in the neighborhood of deluxe apartment houses and stately city mansions. An expensive car is driven in as an alert attendant. Good evening, Dr. Foley. Uh, hardly a good evening, Jim. By the way, this thing will need a wash and polish before you put it away. I can see that, sir. Pretty bad weather out. It's filthy. I'll get a man to run you home, Doctor. Uh, don't bother. I'm dressed for rain and need exercise, so I'll walk as usual. Whatever you say, sir. No. Good night, Jim. Good night, Dr. Foley. Pardon me, huh? sir. Yes? May I trouble you for a match? Oh, certainly. Rotten weather, isn't it? Yes, pretty bad. Look, here's a book of matches. You can keep them. Sure you have others? Oh, yes. Good night. Excuse me. Aren't you Dr. Foley? Yes. Oh, I've seen papers in the medical journals. Do you mind if I walk with you for a short distance? Oh, if you wish. I shall consider it a privilege. Are you a physician yourself? No, it was once my ambition to become a great brain surgeon such as you are, but... Now I'm just a sort of jack-of-all-trades, which means, of course, that I'm what the world calls a failure. Well, success and failure are matters of viewpoint. Oh, how true. A man can be as he thinks. He can rise above misfortune and live in Valhalla with the gods. The thunder. To me, that is Thor, the mighty, wielding his hammer, forging his thunderbolts to strike the mountain giant's do I sound mad? Well, you sound interesting, Mr. Uh... Thorson is my name, Doctor. Thorson? Yes. Oh, one of the streetlights is out here. Makes things quite dark. Well, the storm probably knocked it off. Yes, a minor thunderbolt of the storm. The feeble precursor of a greater one. A deadly one. Deadly one? Forged by the hammer of the son of Thor. Here, what are you doing with that? Oh! Wielding the hammer, striking down the giants, killing you! For a son has cast his thunderbolt. Uh, 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 
The murdered man is Dr. Bernard Foley, Captain Logan? Yeah, the big brain surgeon, Miss Williams. Casey, will this killing make headlines? I'll say. They're kind of headlines that'll be followed by editorial blasts against us cops. That means you haven't got any leads, pal. Uh, All we've been able to learn so far is that Dr. Foley left his car in the Ardmore garage... And at a quarter after 11, a patrolman found his dead body sprawled across the sidewalk, as you can see it now. Oh, the spot must have been pretty dark before you cops got here with your flood lamps. I see that street lights out. Yeah, the storm knocked it out, I guess. Was Dr. Foley robbed, Captain? No, we found a wallet full of dough in his hip pocket, Miss Williams. Robbery wasn't the motive for his murder. How was he killed, then? Well, the M.E. thinks the job was done with a small tack hammer. What? A small tack hammer? Yeah, the double-headed kind of holster is used. Hey, well, Logan... That big playwright was killed last week, uh, Eli Whitlock. Yeah, his skull was crushed with a small hammer, and his body was found on a dark street near his home and on a night like this. I know. The similarity of the Whitlock murders naturally occurred to me. But Whitlock's killer was caught red-handed robbing the body, and he's now in jail. The guy you nabbed for that job admits he went through Whitlock's pockets, but he's consistently denied the killing, Logan. I believed his story that he found Whitlock lying in that doorway and figured he was drunk. I haven't believed it, and I don't now. Mm-hmm. Logan, I, uh, I have a hunch that you're at the beginning of a very tough case. Could I mistake our master's voice, Annie? Casey! Williams! We're on our way, Bert! Here we are, fella. All right, take over the desk till I come back. You two come with me into the private office. Okay. Hey, why into the private office, Bert? We'll soon find out. Close that door so we can have some quiet. All right. Now, you two covered the Foley murder last night. Yeah. And the Whitlock killing last week. You know we did. Casey... From the first, you believed the cops pulled in the wrong guy for Eli Whitlock's bump-off. Yeah, and he was behind bars last night when Dr. Foley was killed. I think you had the right idea. Sit down. Now, I'm going to read you a special delivery letter that just came in. Listen to this. Dear sir, last week the much overrated playwright Eli Whitlock met death. Last night, the unduly acclaimed surgeon, Dr. Bernard Foley, met death in the same identical manner. I destroyed both of these frauds. Go on, Bert. Go ahead. And my thunderbolt shall soon destroy others. Thunderbolt? Shut up and get all of this. Oh, The writer goes on. I concern myself only with the giants. Giants? Yes. But I shall slay other giants. On the next night of storm, another alleged giant shall die. Another? This time, a colossus of commerce shall meet his doom. A dealer in money, a seller of false security. Try to prevent his death, you will be powerless. That's all. No signature, of course. Let me see that copy. Here, hold it at the corner. All right. And print it in block letters. You think it's on the level, Casey? Hmm. Your guess is as good as mine, kid. The writer's obviously a screwball. Well, but... if the letter isn't a gag, the screwball must believe he's Thor. Who? The ancient god of the Norsemen, Thor. The Thunderbolt. Don't you know anything about the classics, Casey? Thor! Strongest of gods! A magic hammer! I know, I know. It. Have you gotten in touch with the cops about this letter, Bert? 
If they get in touch with this paper when they get something hot, they can read about it in our next edition. Yeah, they'd be plenty sore if you hold out and something happens. And the letter says another big man will die. Sure. A dealer in money. A seller of false security. What does that tell you? The best protection for whoever it means is to read a copy of this letter in tomorrow's Express. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, the threat may be strictly phony. Yeah, and anyway, the threat's made for the next night at storm. Sure, and the weather report for tonight and tomorrow is clear as mud. work. What? Look out the window. Huh? Rain. Hmm. I hope, Burke, that this letter is as phony as your weather forecast... Shall I serve you another drink before you leave, Mr. Clements? Uh, no, thanks, Terry. I've already had more than I... Pardon me, I should have, but tonight I was celebrating. Well, you, you have every reason to celebrate what you told us fellas behind the bar here. That's right. I signed up another million-dollar policy, oh, eh, Harry? Another million-dollar policy? I'm just what the fellows in my business say I am, the greatest life insurance salesman in the world. Oh, I, I believe that, Mr. Clement. I, I believe it. Uh, I'm to go home now. Oh, I, I'll call the doorman and have him get a taxi for you. No, no, I want to walk. Need a walk. Do me good. Night, Henry. Uh, good night, Mr. Clement. Even Mr. Clavett. Yes, George. Thanks. Open the door for me. Yeah, feels good. Rain feels good. Pardon me, sir. Huh? May I trouble you for a match? Match? Oh, sure. Thank you. Aren't you Mr. Alan Clamart? Well, how'd you know? You were pointed out to me at the underwriters' convention several months ago as the greatest life insurance salesman in the business. That's so. Do you mind if I walk along with you? Oh, come along. Glad to have your company, Mr. Thank you. Uh, and my name is Thorson. see you and Miss Williams have a nerve showing yourselves here at headquarters today. If you read the newspapers, you must know a guy named Clamert was hammered to death last night. Yeah, we've heard about it, Louis. And I've heard that you two knew about the letter threatening his life. Captain. You and your smart city editor wouldn't tell us cops about it. Oh, no. We had to see it in print. Too late. Now, listen, pal. Don't pal me. Get out of this office I and don't listen. come... But... Now, what oh. would you have done if you had seen that letter? Would it have told you that a life insurance salesman was the intended victim and a particular life insurance salesman named Clamart? And oh, wouldn't I... you have been inclined, as we were, to dismiss that entire fantastic letter as a gag? Now, be reasonable, Captain Logan. Oh, I suppose you're right. Well, now all of us know the letter wasn't just a gag. Yeah. Burks turned the original letter over to you. Any fingerprints on it? Only yours and Mr. Burke. Yeah, we expected that. With the same weapon used this time? Uh, attack hammer, the doc thinks. You know, Logan, is a very obvious pattern of murder. Here. In its method, sure. Rainy nights, deserted streets, victims who habitually walk to their homes. All this crazy hammer swinger had to do was bust a streetlight on their route and wait for them in the dark. Yeah, our streetlight was out last night. Yeah, we figured it was much more than a coincidence this time, so we investigated and... 
Found a BB shot inside the broken globe. Oh, gun, huh? Or a slingshot. This killer isn't so crazy. He plans well in advance. But he is crazy. He clearly establishes his insanity by the absence of normal motive for his murders. Envy, Logan. Envy? Mm-hmm. Pushed to abnormal lengths by failure. You mean because the killer's a failure, he wants to do, destroy men who are successful? Well, to me, that seems to be his mania. Uh, you may be right in your theory, but it'd take my guys forever to check up on all the failures in town. Well, I'm not a cop. This thunderbolt screwball is your headache, Logan. And you newspaper mugs will be handing me anything but aspirin. You make me out of dope because we pinched the wrong guy for the Whitlock job. And the public will never be told your city editor held out that letter on me. We cops didn't even have a chance. Ah, don't start that again, no. Why shouldn't I? When I think of it, I start to boil and it... Come in. Hello, Captain. Glad to find you and Williams here, Casey. Well, if it isn't Mr. Burke. City editor. Yeah, uh, Burke, you're an unpopular guy around here, you know. Get out, boss, while the going's good. I don't want him to get out. I want your city editor to stay until I've told him exactly what I think of him. I think hold everything. I'm down here to make amends. With another Thunderbolt letter. Thunderbolt another letter? Thunderbolt. Came special delivery like the first. Give it to me. Yeah, what's it say? Ryder brags about keeping his promise last night and promises another murder when it rains again. Another? This time he's more explicit about his next victim. I think he means to kill a press photographer. What? Yes. A press photographer? You, Casey. Burke, you're kidding. Read that letter and see for yourself. He isn't kidding, Miss Williams. Oh. <laughs> Casey, this is just my headache. The second letter from that Thunderbolt nut says he's going to kill a, a press photographer, Miss Williams? It promises to kill Casey, Ethelbert. Hmm? It doesn't promise anything of that kind. Only you, Logan, and Burke claim to see the inference, Andy. All right, well, let's try it out on Ethelbert. I want to see Show you. Show him that photostatic copy of the letter, but don't you try to rib me now, pal. Here, Ethelbert, read this. Uh... Lincoln Photostat Company Incorporated. No, Ethelbert, down here. Oh. Uh, the next to fall by my thunderbolt shall be a very little giant. <laughs> little giant. Shut up, Casey. Let him read. He can't. He practices press photography, a minor art. A minor art, He dabbles in a field other than his own crime detection in which they credit him with brilliance when the fool is merely lucky. And yeah, now that's something. The thunderbolt is forged and ready and will strike on the next night of storm. Hmm. Now, I ask you, Ethelbert, as a pal, can you find anything in that bunch of drivel that could possibly apply to me? Casey, now I'm worried about you. What? Huh? The guy practically draws your picture and writes your name under it. He means you. Photography department, Casey speaking. This is Ann Casey. Oh, yeah, I was just going to phone you, kid. That's a case of sniffles you went home to nurse. Well, I feel a little better. That's good. Casey, it's starting to rain and thunder. Yeah, well, now, so what? Now, look, I've been needled about that letter until I'm sick, too. That 
That nut may hammer somebody to death tonight, but his threat was definitely not directed at me. Look, you'll walk blindly into any trap that he he leads you to, and and you don't know what he looks like. Annie, please. Okay, but will you promise me something? Huh? What? Well, can't you promise me before I tell you? I don't ask very much of you. Well, well, all right, I, I promise. Look, drive directly to your apartment house when you finish working tonight. And leave your car parked in front of the door instead of going to the garage and walking the two blocks home. And uh, And then go upstairs and lock yourself I, in. Listen, Andy. Now, you've promised, Casey. Yeah, I've promised. I'll phone you at 11.50. Now, be sure you're there. Here's the old crate, Charlie. Put it away. Uh, want me to wash your car tonight, Mr. Casey? It'll be pretty spotty from this rain. Huh. Who do you garage guys think I am? A millionaire? I bought a car wash from you a month ago. Huh? <laughs> hey, you're a hard man to make money out of, Mr. Casey. <laughs> Go ahead, Charlie. Clean her up. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. On second thought. Uh, huh? Look, do that cleanup job tomorrow night, will you? And if Miss Williams ever asks you if I left the car here tonight, you tell her no, huh? I ain't seen nothing of your car tonight, sir. Thank you, pal. Thank you. All right, Charlie. I'm heading for home. Night, Mr. King. Pardon me, sir. Go on. May I trouble you for a match? Oh, I guess so, yeah. Miserable weather, isn't it? Yeah, it's stinking. Here's my lighter. Thank you. <sighs> Say, aren't you, Mr. Casey, the famous crime photographer? Uh, well, I... I don't know about the famous part, but I'm Casey. I thought so. You've been pointed out to me at police headquarters. Oh. What were you doing there? Well, nothing in the business way. I was paying a social call on a detective friend of mine, Sergeant McCloskey. Oh, you know him? I know McCloskey. Do you mind if I walk along with you? Why, no, no. I've long been one of your admirers, Mr. Casey. Huh? Little men like myself can't help but envy you giants. Giants. I borrowed the word from your paper's publication of those so-called thunderbolt betters. Interesting mystery, that. Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's your racket, Mr. Uh... Thorson is my name. Thorson? Thorson? I see. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Street lights out just ahead of us. Dark stretch there. It is dark. And listen to that thunder. An inspiring phenomenon, thunder. Yes, I've I've heard that like full moonlight, it does things to some people. Yes, to those whom the gods make mad. To the wise people of ancient times, that which we call insanity was a God-given gift. Mr. Casey, it meant freedom. And so I've read. We're coming into that dark stretch, Mr. Thorson. Yes, we are. Evening, Casey. What? It's me, Joe McCloskey. Oh, this is an unexpected meeting, Sergeant. Why, yeah. Hello, Carl. You you know this guy, Sarge? Well, I ought to. Carl Thorson and I lived in the same block for about, oh, about ten years. 
Hey, what are you doing so far from home, neighbor? I've been visiting friends, Sergeant. I'm walking to the bus stop. <laughs> you know, Thorson here is a great fan of yours, Casey. He's always asking me questions about you. He... Oh, you... You know, Mr. Thorson, well, Sergeant. Well, so well that if he was anyone else, I'd be putting a pinch on him right now. <laughs> You know, the beat cops have been reporting all streetlights out of commission since that last Thunderbolt murder, Casey. And when Captain Logan heard one was out near your apartment, he sent my partner and me right up here on the jump. I'm glad to know that you policemen are so efficient, Sergeant. <laughs> you don't know the half of it, Carl. Ever since it started to rain this evening, Casey has been shadowed. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Come out of that doorway, you ducked into red. Everything's okay. Uh... Well, come on, Casey. I'll escort you to your apartment house, and then the other guys and me can get home. And you'll be entirely safe once you're home. I must hurry to catch my bus, Sergeant, so if you don't mind... No, no, no. Run along, Carl. Run along. I'll see you later. It's been a great privilege to meet you, Mr. Casey. Good night. Good night. <laughs> uh, he's a nice little guy, Thorson. <laughs> yeah, isn't he? Kept me from making an awful fool of myself, Sarge. And would that have handed your boss, Logan, a swell laugh? Huh. He had me tailed tonight. Well, the captain's been worried about you, Casey. Well, now, come on, I'll, uh, I'll walk you to your door. Knew that phone would be ringing. Will I unlock my door? Where's that light? Hello? Casey! Where have you been? I've been ringing you ever yeah, since... Okay, all right. I'm only a few minutes late now, Annie. I just got home, and look at it. It's seven minutes to twelve. Well, what delayed you? Oh, flock of cops that my pal Logan sent to nursemaid me. I suppose you put him up to it. No, he didn't give me the satisfaction of knowing he was having you guarded, but I'm glad to hear he did. You all right, Casey? Of course I'm all right. Now go on to bed and get over your sniffles and let me get some sleep. Casey, I'll never worry about you again as long as I live. Good night. Hey, Annie, hey. Worried. You should have known that that letter couldn't have meant me. Very little, Giants. Now what? Hello? So you are safely home. You, Logan. McCloskey just radioed a report that all was well with you. I phoned to double-check. Okay, now you've double-checked, wise guy, and now you know that that screwball didn't have his hammer out for me. Goodbye. Nuts to all of you. Not to me, but... Thorson. Nice of you to leave your door open. It made things so easy. I'll close it now. What are you... Be very still. As you see, now I'm armed with a revolver as well as my hammer. I see. Sergeant McCluskey and his fellow policemen made it impossible for me to stick to pattern, as he called it, but they went away, and I came back. Wasn't it fortunate that McCluskey is a neighbor of mine? He couldn't believe that the man he sees nearly every day is not the person that she thinks. So they threw me off the track. That doesn't matter. I shall keep my promise. Your promise? That you shall die tonight. Gods, unlike men, are bound by their promises. I see. Well, of course, you know, you've got to finish me off by 12 o'clock. And I shall. Yeah, you've got almost five minutes, fella. Plenty of time. I'll watch the time. 
You're thinking, Mr. Casey, that when I approach you with my hammer, you'll seize it from me and my gun also. But I shall throw the hammer as my father Thor throws it with the speed of lightning and unerring aim. Yeah, but you didn't kill those other guys by throwing your hammer. You held it in your hand and you hit them many times. There was a reason for that. Yeah, but a guy can neither throw a hammer or fire a gun with any accuracy in the dark. <laughs> You've smashed the lamp. Thorson, you shot your last thunderbolt. <laughs> Homicide. Captain Logan. Just a minute. Homicide Bureau, Captain Logan. Captain Logan, this is Casey. Send some cops up to my apartment to collect the Thunderbolt killer. The Thunderbolt? Yeah, he's sleeping on my living room rug right now. He's even crazier than I figured he'd be, Logan. When he wrote that last letter, he was referring to me. <laughs> took Thorson to the insane asylum, huh, Miss Williams? Yeah, he's safely tucked away in a padded cell. Mm, Ethelbert, what do you think of a man who's so eager to get his name into the obituary column that he disregards all warnings and even breaks the solemn promise exacted for his safety? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'd say that guy was a suicidal lunatic, Miss Williams, and I know just who you mean. Suicidal lunatic. That's pretty good. <laughs> this is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Welcome back. Of all the series that I'm recording these ahead on, this might be the toughest to fully wrap my mind around because at the point I'm recording, I'm still on the Anchor Hawking programs. And these are definitely very different. Our killer seems to operate under the same theory as the opening episode of Mr. Mc chameleon a few weeks ago. That is that you live up to your name. So thus, if you are named Thorson, you have no choice but to act like the god of thunder and throw hammers at people. I also do wonder what people's awareness of the uh, classical Norse myths are. You might imagine with the popularity of the Marvel movies and Thor and Loki being really big household names, that there'd be a great understanding of their history and their stories. However, I think for a lot of people, there's not really a separation between the original Nordic legends and that which was invented by Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, and those who have followed at Marvel Comics. The world's greatest life insurance salesman 
was a bit of a silly choice. It's always nice to sell a good policy, but I did actually at one point look into getting into the world of insurance sales back when I was in my 20s and concluded that I didn't have the cash reserve to make it work. Also, I'm not a huge extrovert, which helps in that profession, but I did look at the sheet and I seem to recall that the commissions on life insurance were not all that great compared to auto insurance. But again, that's just memory. Actual salesmen might have better insights on that. But of course, the idea that Thorson chose random insurance agent as the guy he envied and who had to be killed. Not some titan of industry, but just some guy who, you know, one insurance salesman of the year and makes a big deal out of each sale. Casey was also a bit of a surprise target. It's as if he's defining giants down. Like, he feels that he is such a failure in life that's like, I can't go out and kill, like, really big, important people and call them giants. I'll call people with decently successful careers giants. Of course, Casey nearly got himself killed. I think more than anything else because of his vanity. Because Casey seemed to actually be bothered by the fact that this guy didn't seem to think Casey had really earned his success or earned his reputation. And Casey seems to bruise against that and just be like, there must be some other crime-solving crime photographer he is talking about. He could not be talking about me because I am actually successful and the real deal. The show's from 1949, so we won't try to diagnose Casey with imposter syndrome, even though that does seem to be what he's acting like. But somebody who is unsuccessful in life and bitter and spiteful is, of course, going to say somebody who has even a monochrome of success has not earned it. But instead, the whole thing led Casey to make himself a clay pigeon and end up surviving due to the weakness of the villain. Uh, Dr. Joe Webb over at bluenotebulletin.blogspot.com is not a fan of this episode. He puts it in his bottom three of Casey Crime uh, photographer episodes that are in circulation. He writes of the episode, the plot and the dialogue are lifeless, and the madman who thinks he's Thor is silly and unconvincing. It's disappointing that this episode even made it to the air. And which which does say something, because uh, Dr. Joe Webb is the, the biggest Casey fan there is. And when, you know, like 80-90% of the series is missing, and one of those, you know, or some of those that are out there are duds, that is a wee bit frustrating. He also notes that there are some similarities between this and the 1947 episode, The Gentle Stranger with a lot of uh, plot uh, beats that are pretty much right on the money, but they changed it, and in ways that uh, perhaps did not work out for the best. All right, well, now I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Brad, Patreon supporter since January of 2021, currently supporting the podcast at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. Well, that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. 
We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Casey Crime Photographer. But coming up tomorrow, it's Mr. Chameleon, where... Mr. Chameleon, I know I'm imposing on our friendship, our acquaintanceship, I should say, since we've only met twice, but I had to do something. I couldn't let things go on this way. I'm convinced that my brother Lewis is about to be murdered. By whom, Mr. Brenton? By Florence, his wife. Mr. Brenton, are you serious? Do you think for one minute I'd make a statement like that if I couldn't back it up? Have you any idea what it cost me to come here and, and, and tell you these things? I've always been fond of Florence. What has happened to her is a tragedy. But my brother Lewis comes first. Yes, naturally. You're uh, partners in the contracting business, aren't you? I had dinner once at your brother's home. It's a very beautiful place. Yes, it is. I'm living there now. I have been for six months. And I've watched this thing develop. I've watched it grow. This... This... Tragedy. Yes. You spoke of tragedy in connection with your sister-in-law. Oh, incidentally, I've never met her. She was uh, away when I was there, but I hear she's very lovely. Oh, she is. I've always been deeply fond of Florence. That's why... Mr. Comedian, she's losing her mind. For over six months now, she's been treated by specialists for a nervous disorder. But it's getting worse instead of better. Oh, that's very sad. Lewis has kept it quiet. He thinks it's something that will pass. I don't. Particularly not with Carl Robbins in the picture. Carl Robbins, the architect? That's the one. He's staying with them now, and Florence thinks she's in love with him. She's asked Lewis for her freedom, and Lewis won't give it to her. That's why I'm afraid, terribly afraid of what she may do to Lewis. In the mental state she's in, she may try to murder him. Mr. Brenton, it's the business of the police to solve a crime after it happens. But there's no reason, really, why we shouldn't try to stop one before it happens, if we can. Tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to look over the situation. Do you think you could invite me to your brother's home for dinner? I hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.